Father, we give you all the glory that you have given us your son to die and to rise again so that we could be saved and forgiven. We thank you, Father, that you have cast all our sins and failures as far as the east is from, is from the west, that you have cast them into the depths of the ocean. And you remember our iniquities no more. Father, as we look into your word today, as we talk about light, may our ears be open and our hearts receptive to what you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 16 of Luke chapter 8. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. There's a fun little quip that I've seen floating around on the internet. It's been around for some time. And this is what it says. It says, all of us have the ability to light up a room. Some of us, when we enter. Some of us, when we leave. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, during the Sermon on the Mount, we, we've talked about this in the past, but remember, Jesus taught these things more than once. So in Matthew 5, he says it a little bit differently. That's not a contradiction. It just means Matthew 5 is one time he taught it, and Luke 8 is another time that he taught it. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, we read, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Today, we're going to be looking at a progression in these three verses. In verse 16, we're going to see light is visible, so it can be seen. I know, duh, right? Light is visible, so it can be seen, but I'll make a point of it, I promise. Light that is seen reveals, right? and again, right? This is, this is not all that complicated. I'm not a complicated guy. Three, what is revealed will have repercussions. Well, that's where it's going to get fun. Now notice, right after Jesus taught us in the parable of the sower to be good soil that bears fruit, he moves into talking about how our light should shine. Our light shining is part of bearing fruit. Let's go back to verse 16. No one, when he is little lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. In the New Living Translation, it puts it this way. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl 
or hides it under a a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. So I started thinking, what is the point of light? I mean, typically, why do you turn a light on? So you can see. Uh, The Oxford Dictionary defines light, and I like this, the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Thanks, Oxford Dictionary. So when there's light, we can see things. That's what that says. In Greek, the word for light is phos, P-H-O-S, and it means luminous or something that shines. So I hope you're ready for this statement. It is profound. The purpose of light is to shine in order to help things become visible. Wow! Right? You guys didn't know you were going to science class today. We're told back in Matthew that we are to let our light shine. Something that's interesting about the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 I got into Genesis 1 last week, too. Um, We're in a little different direction this time. But in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 3, God created light. It was the first thing he created. In the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. In verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. He separated the light from the dark, the morning and the evening, the first day. What didn't he create? Light holders. That doesn't happen until verse 16, when it says God created two great lights, one to rule the day and one to rule the night, the sun and the moon. And the difference between being the light, and holding the light are huge. God is the light. The sun and moon hold, or the sun, sorry, holds the light. And the moon reflects the light. So God is the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message which you have heard from him, And declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. One of my favorite attributes about light is scientists still can't explain it. Right? We know how to make it. They know how to measure it. They know how to, um, uh, you know, track the various wavelengths from infrared and, and all of that various stuff. They can do that, but they can't actually explain what light is. We just know it is. Well, that's the same. We can't explain God, not fully. Trying to do so is an exercise in futility, though it's fun to think about. But we can't explain God in his fullness. He is so far greater than anything we can imagine. But he is light. The Bible says that he actually dwells in an unapproachable light. And in him is no darkness at all. So he is the light. Now, The sun is the light holder, pun intended. Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 
Uh, one of y'all, and I'm not going to point out a name just to be fair, came in this morning and their pocket was glowing. Uh, you ever do that? You accidentally turn the light on on your phone, the, the little flashlight on your phone. Yesterday, I'm gonna t- I shouldn't tell this story, but, you know, I confess everything to y'all. So one of our, one of our pantry cabinet doors, the hinge broke. And so we went to Ace, and you know me, I am not handy. Not even a little bit. I probably should have called somebody. Uh, but we stopped by Ace and we got hinges. And so yesterday we're there. I'm like, you know, kind of spending the day at home, but I'm going to get this done. I want to get this done. So I got these hinges out. And um, it came with tw- uh, there two hinges, three screw slots. You know, anyways, um, it came with 12 screws. We bought two packages in case something bad happened. I stripped the head off nine screws. I even pre-drilled the hole because I knew, right, the, the cabinet doors are wood, so I pre-drilled the hole so the screw would go in. I make sure I went deep enough. And after about the fifth one, somebody who was participating in this got angry. Somebody took the hinge and, and threw it. You guys should talk. Don't My wife will be embarrassed if she knows you know, but... Anybody believe it wasn't me? Anybody at all? <laughs> I did. I, I was like, <laughs> I was so mad. And my wife being, should we stop? No, I'm going to finish this. Well, I accidentally threw the hinge behind the oven. <laughs> and, um, so we had to pull the oven out, which was really good because it needed to be cleaned. Um, and, and it's all part of God's purpose. So we pulled the oven out and we had to, we got out my phone, turned on the light in order to find the hinge hiding back there. What was the point of that story? Oh, you need light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And when we follow him, we don't walk in darkness. Have you ever tried to find something in the dark? It's hard. Now that's just with something simple. Like maybe you go out into the garage and you need a screwdriver and the light bulb burns out. Or our basement gets really dark and we have a, uh, one of our panels is down there and and there's no light switch, so you have to actually find the light bulb, and one of them you have to screw in to get it to turn on. Yeah, our electricity is great. Um, but sometimes I'm like, well, I can find the panel without turning the light on. It's hard. Now, imagine trying to find something significant, like your purpose in life. How can you have your purpose or discover your purpose in life if God does not shine a light on that direction? How do you discover his wisdom or his grace or salvation if he doesn't shine his light on those things for you to see? That's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And when we follow him, we won't walk in darkness. So God is light. Jesus, the son, is the light holder. And then we reflect his light, which is what we read in Matthew 5. With the commission... We have a lot of commissions, several in the Bible, but have you ever considered the commission in Matthew 5, 16? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is a command. It's not a suggestion. That is part of our commission to go into all the world and to share the gospel as we let our light shine. And we reflect Jesus' light so that the world 
can see him. Not so it can see us. Right? So the world can see him. That's why we do it. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul reiterates that we, amongst a crooked and perverse generation, are to shine as lights, reflecting the light of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Now, there's times that we turn the switch off and we reflect the darkness that's inside of us when we sin, when we say something to somebody we shouldn't, when we whatever, right? Sin is broad. And then we come back. And I'll tell you something interesting. You all know I love pickleball. Can't go a week without talking about pickleball. Um, there's a little band you put at the top of your, your grip to hold it in place at top so it doesn't start to come unraveled. And you can get these custom-made. So, of course, all my paddles have custom-made bands at the top of the handle. Um, and what I did is I put Bible verses on all of them. John 3.16, Romans 5.8, um, whatnot, on the backs of these. And I did it for a very specific purpose. So that when I'm playing pickleball, if I start to get frustrated, which I would never do, ask John and he'll lie for me. No, don't lie for me. <laughs> Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, you can ask Cynthia too. She's seen a little bit of it. Um, I put Bible verse on there. So if I find myself getting frustrated, I turn my paddle over. I look at the back of the band and I remember, you know, I'm out here to shine as a light for Jesus Christ. Just because I'm playing pickleball or whatever else it is I'm doing, that's still the reason I'm here. And you know, I've gotten better by God's grace. So God is light. Jesus is the light holder. And we reflect his light. So out of curiosity, I looked up what would happen if we lost the sun. Right? This, is, this was really fun. I borrowed this from discovery.com. Um, and thankfully, everything would be fine for eight minutes. For eight minutes, we'd have no idea. We'd look up there, the sun would still be there. Because that's how long it takes for the sun's light and energy to reach the earth. However, once that eight minutes was up, things aren't going to go well. After the eight minutes, earth wouldn't be snuffed out immediately. We would still have electricity, um, and it would take about an hour for the light from other planets to be reflected back to earth. So there would be a peaceful glow in the sky for a time. But it would no longer be day. The moon would no longer shine at night. Um, with no sunlight, photosynthesis would stop. So plant life would begin to die. There's a few. Uh, some bigger tree species can survive for a while without the sun. Um, but not much. Within a few days, however, the temperatures would begin to drop quickly. And any humans and animals left on the planet's surface would die soon after. But why, why do we say any that were left? Well, 
The sun is what keeps us spinning. Right? Our orbit is determined by the gravitational pull of the sun. What would happen to the earth without that gravitational pull? You know, put a ball on the end of a string and swing it around. It's the string that keeps that ball in place. What happens if the string comes untied? Where does the ball go? Wherever it wants. So who knows where earth would start going off to? That would cause earthquakes, floods, tsunamis. It would cause uh, probably volcanoes. It would be bad. So anybody who didn't die from that, who made it past the first few days, would freeze to death. Yay! I'm hoping I go early. Within two months, the ocean surface would freeze over, but they guess it would take about a thousand years for them to freeze solid. Uh, the oceans are deep, and they're salt. However, by then, the atmosphere would have collapsed, radiation would have come in, the earth would be an inhospitable wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. Thankfully, um, we, we don't think the sun's going anywhere anytime soon. But this is what I tell this for. Without light, there is no life. Without light, there is no life. And we can see the same effects when the light of the gospel is not present in a person's life. A person who doesn't know Christ is going to be aimless. A person who doesn't know Christ may be cold. A person who doesn't know Christ is spiritually dead. And there's only one way to fix it. You've got to turn the light on. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Number two, light reveals. Verse 17, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. We, uh, in the New Living Translation, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Psalm 36, 9 tells us, For with you is the fountain of light, of life, sorry. In your light, we see light. Now, all light is revealing. When I pulled out the oven to find that hinge, I couldn't find it until I turned the flashlight on. All light is revealing. But God's light allows us to see light, and that light exposes everything. I hope you're encouraged. We must never be so foolish as to think that we can hide something, anything, from God. Proverbs 15.3 says, The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Feel better? Right? You ever do this? I'm like this. It's horrible. I was driving up to Crest Butte on Friday uh, to, to get Leah from work, and we went out and had coffee. And No, we didn't. We went out and had ice cream. Even better. There is something better than coffee. Third bowl ice cream at 10 cup. Um, and so, uh, but I'm driving on the way up, and I was, I usually do the speed limit, or pretty close to it. I was doing right about 60 instead of 55. Came up over a hill, saw the cop car, took my foot off the gas, and by the time I got there, I was doing about 53. And then I spent the next half mile, or three quarters or whatever, until the road curved again, looking in my rearview mirror. Did his lights go on? Did his lights go on? Did his lights go on? Ah, his lights didn't go on! Woohoo! And I sped back up. So the cop didn't pull me over. You don't think God saw that? Now, 
Am I in trouble for it? I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Uh, it doesn't mean I should have done that. But I look at that and I go, it's, you don't get away with anything. Oh, you know, I've, I've never cussed anybody out to their face, but have you ever hated them in your mind? According to Jesus, that's murder. Right? We could go on, but we're not. We can't hide anything. There's nothing that is hidden from God's sight. Oh, and there's some good verses here. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring both to, will bring, both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Hebrews 4, 13. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Luke 12, 1 through 3, we'll get there eventually. It says, He began to say to his disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. We cannot hide anything from God. Now, God has given us light so we can live. Without light, there is no life. Isaiah 9.2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And that light, of course, is speaking of Jesus Christ. And just a couple verses after that, in Isaiah chapter 9, we get the beautiful prophecy that we always quote around Christmas. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. It's gorgeous. But right just a couple verses early. Remember, context, context, context. He's talking about sending a light into the world so that those who dwelt in darkness could have life. In John chapter 1, and you can join me there real quick if you want. It's just going to be a few pages over from Luke chapter 8. I went into John chapter 1 knowing I wanted to use a couple of the verses in the opening here. And I went, you know, it's just too much to skip. We're going to read the first 17 verses of John chapter 1. I'm going to try not to comment a lot. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. See, John was sent to reflect the light, just like we are. Nine, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory is of the only Father, begotten of the Father, sorry, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He, has come at, he, come, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Light came into the world so we could live. So then we have to ask the question. I guess we don't have to. But I had to. Then why do people avoid the light? Brother Roy was telling us that he was sharing the gospel with a family member, and that family member got angry with him for it. Have you ever experienced that? I had a very interesting experience this week. That and I'm not going to tell you where or who, because somebody, some of you may know this person. Um, but I was talking to somebody, and all I did was say the word Bible. I didn't even start preaching. I didn't even start laying, you know, I didn't take it out and start hitting her with it or him or whoever. And none of that happened. All I did was say the word Bible. And this person put their fingers in their ears and went la, 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 like a two-year-old. And I had the perfect comeback because I'm obnoxious and, and sassy and I have a temper and this person was being very rude and disrespectful to me. And it's just, it's just this, this glorious comeback came into my head. I'm like, I'm going to tear this person apart. And God's like, shut up. Yes, sir. Didn't say a word. But why, why that reaction? All I did was say the word Bible. Wasn't even, didn't even quote a verse from it. I just said the word. Why would that person or anybody else work so hard to avoid the light? And Jesus told us why. In his conversation with Nicodemus, right, the first 17 verses are very, very famous, especially John 3.16. But in verse 18, Jesus said this, He who believes in him is not condemned, is speaking of himself. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. That's Jesus. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. I've had people ask me over the years, and uh, I say it all the time, I tell you the stupid things that I do because I'd much rather you hear it from me than someone else. Now, thankfully, God has kept me from doing anything too terribly stupid in the last few years, but I lost my temper and threw a hinge behind the oven yesterday. Is that godly behavior? I mean, is that something that honored God or, or honored my family? No. I never should have done it. I felt horrible about it. I repented as soon as I did. I, I picked it up. I threw it. It went behind the oven. And I, Lord, I'm sorry. I know better. But it was that quick. And I told you all about it. So you, if you throw a hinge at something, you may feel a little bit better. Um, 
But I immediately, we should immediately bring it to the light. Not because it's not sin, but because there's no point in trying to hide it. He already knows. And so we bring it immediately to the light because I am not afraid of my deeds being exposed. Because every one of them that's wrong has been covered by the blood of Christ. And if I've done something wrong, I need to repent of it. If I've hurt somebody, I need to do my best to make it right. Period. I don't hide from those things. We shouldn't. But so many people, they don't, they don't want to come to church and they make up their excuses. Why? Because if they come here, the light will shine. And they don't want to talk to their family member about the Lord. They don't want to hear the word Bible. Why? Because they know that their deeds are wrong. And they would rather be in the darkness, living in the delusion that that won't come out at some point in time. But it's just a delusion. It will come out. God already knows. Now, some of us want to take it upon ourselves to expose it. That's not our job. Now, if you have a brother or sister in Christ who's in sin, and you want to talk to that person and try to restore them to a right relationship with God, that's fine. But it is not my job to tell you all the things that I know about all the people in this community. Oh! I could tell some stories, folks. I could get sued. And I don't. I don't say a word because, well, I don't have any money, so if they sued me, it would be bad. Um, but that's why people do it. And so here's the reality. You know how you get out from underneath that shame and underneath that guilt and how you get away from hiding in the darkness and embracing the sin that's going to take you into eternal condemnation. How you get away from that? You take one step into the light. One step into the light of Jesus Christ and he will save you. He will cleanse you. He will forgive you. And yeah, that stuff's going to be exposed and it's going to have to be dealt with and okay. But he'll walk with you through even that. One step. Verse 18. What light reveals? Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. This is... The, the New Living Translation. So pay attention, beware, to how you hear or what you give your attention to. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. So what the light reveals will have repercussions. If the light reveals that we are indeed following Jesus... Hearing and obeying his word, seeking first the kingdom of God, uh, as Matthew 6.33 says, and letting our light shine before the world, as Matthew 5.16 says, then we will be given more. We will be given more understanding. We will be given more opportunity. We will be blessed. If the light reveals the opposite, then even what we think we have will be taken away. Now, I'm going to make one caveat, and you can make your way to Matthew 25 if you'd like. I'm going to go there in a moment. Because it's the, the, this is best illustrated in the parable of the talents. 
Well, but maybe, maybe something didn't go well. Does that mean I'm not obeying? No. If, if you're obeying the Lord and I say you're going to be blessed, that doesn't mean everything's going to go well. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich. It doesn't mean you're not going to have health problems. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble at work or trouble in the family or trouble in the community or trouble at wherever. Right? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're going to wake up every morning and sunshine and rainbows. Oh, it's a brand new day! That's not how I get up. You already know that. I've confessed this many times. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, really? I'm still here? You haven't brought me home yet? Fine. <laughs> you know, once I have my coffee and get into the Word and pray in the morning, I do a little better. But I don't wake up as a ray of sunshine. That's, that's not my nature. Um, some people do. I don't like those people. Wow. Apparently, I have a drinking problem. And for anybody on the recording, that's because I took a drink of coffee and spilled it on my shirt. Uh, it's not a reflection on anything else. Uh, but that's not how I wake up. Just because you're doing everything right doesn't mean everything's going to go right. That's not how life works. And Jesus told us as much. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But nevertheless, nevertheless, what the light reveals will have repercussions. And if you made your way to Matthew 25, that's awesome. We're going to pick up in verse 14. If you didn't make your way to Matthew 25, that's okay. You can just listen. One more page. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five, and likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had also received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I do want to point one thing out. It's not about the outcome. It's about the faithfulness. Right? He didn't care that the guy with the two talents didn't make ten. Or he didn't even care that the guy with the two talents didn't make five like the other guy. It's not about the outcome. It's about your faithfulness. Bless you. Well, the sneeze will show up on the recording anyway, so you guys get to bless you out there too. Then he would receive, this is verse 24, with a one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and scatter where I have not scattered seed, or gather, sorry, where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. 
there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The point of this parable is simple. Just like the verse, right, we're to pay attention to how we hear, because to those who listen, more understanding will be given, but to those who are not listening, even what they think they have will be taken away. And here we are given the reason why. What do we do with what we have? Now, back then, a talent was a unit of measurement, uh, actually of weight, not necessarily of a denomination of money. Uh, It was somewhere around 90 pounds. So depending on what the talent was, whether it was gold or silver or, or whatever, he gave his servants a lot of money. Now, he gave his servants a lot of whatever it was. So we can, let's take money out of the equation. What has God given you a lot of? What is your quote-unquote, talent. What has he given you? He's given us his word. What do we do with it? He's given us his spirit. What do we do with it? Him. The spirit is not an it. Spirit is a him. He's given us gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities to use them. What do we do with them? It's a good question. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm asking you a question because it's a question I have to ask myself daily. When I get to the end of the day, did I use today what God gave me for his glory? Yes or no? It's a simple question. Yesterday, the answer was no. It was. That makes me sad because I don't want to do that to him. And I really want to get there one day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I really want to hear that. I like. I want to hear that more than I want to watch Lord of the Rings or play pickleball or eat a cupcake. I want to hear that more than anything. And not every day. There would, there's going to be some days that are going to be difficult. But the fact of the matter is simple. What are you doing with what he's given you? Because if you're using it, he's going to give you more opportunity. And again, that doesn't mean wealth. That doesn't mean material goods. That doesn't mean fame or anything like that. It just means he'll give you more opportunity. And if not, well, then he'll take it away. And oh, people really like, oh, it doesn't mean he'll really take it away. Yes, he will. I'm going to give you a great example. You all know, Wow, you guys are having a good day. Visitors, I am so sorry. This is rough. You should get to know me before I tell you all this stuff. You all know that I used to have an addiction to pornography. And by God's grace, I have been delivered. Now, thankfully, none of the sermons that I preached at that time still exist. Oh, yeah. Imagine the difference. It was stark. God has gifted me to do this, I think. Hopefully you agree. I mean, keep showing up. Um... But God has gifted me to do this. When I was in unrepentant sin, he took it away. Temporarily. He lessened it. And it was noticeable. My wife noticed. People in the church at the time noticed. I repented. I came back. to walking with him the way he wanted me to. And it came right back. Roaring in. And I was like, oh. That's what I was missing. Because I was doing it on my own. 
It was not spirit-empowered because the spirit, not that he ever left me or not that I lost my salvation, I praise God for that, but he wasn't going to participate in my sin. It was noticeable. Let's close. Nehemiah 9.12 Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. Now this talks about Israel after they had left Egypt. Pillar of cloud by day to lead them, a pillar of fire by night, not only to lead them, but to illuminate the camp for them. And here it says, to light the road which they should travel. From the very beginning, God has given us light to show us which way we should go. It's that simple. So my question, that's going to spawn three other questions, is where is God's light shining in your life today? Is God's light shining to show you the way to salvation in Christ? And if there's anybody here, anybody online, or anybody listening to the recording who has never received Christ as Savior, that light is shining right now. God is saying, here it is. Here's my son. This is what he's done for you. His death and resurrection will save you. Just come to me. You know, they often say, and when you die, oh, I saw a bright light in the tunnel and I was told to follow the light. And if you die in Christ, I think you're going to see a bright light. If you die apart from him, there is no light. I'm all, oh, he's preaching hellfire and brimstone. Yeah, I am, because that's the result of rejecting Christ. That's not me. That's what he said. And I don't want anybody to do that. So if you need to come to Christ for salvation, if you never have or you have questions about it, leave us a message, visit our website, send me an email, come and talk to me after church. I don't care. Just somehow let us know. Two, is God's light shining to reveal something you need to repent of? Oh, that's fun, right? The Holy Spirit will do this for each of us. I told you yesterday, I threw that hinge and it took that much time. It was regret, instant regret, because I knew I'd lost my temper. I knew I was not acting in a way that honored God or respected my family. And, and I knew it. I just knew it like that. The Holy Spirit was like, dude! There was a time in my life where I didn't listen. Been more than one. But maybe God's shining your light on something in your life that you need to deal with. And if that's the case, Listen. It's not condemnation, it's not guilt, it's not shame. So I want you to have the freedom that Jesus Christ gives. That he's given me, that he's given pretty much all of us, I think. But if for some reason he hasn't given it to you or you haven't received it, it's more likely. Then what are you waiting for? Finally, is God's light shining to show you a way forward? Right? Maybe he's called you to something and you haven't stepped out into it. Maybe he's asked you to give up something. that Maybe isn't necessarily sin, but it's not necessarily beneficial. And you haven't done it yet. Or maybe he's called you to talk to a neighbor or to pray for this person or whatever it might be. Is his light shining to show you something forward, a way forward, something he wants you to do? Wherever God's light is shining in your life, 
and forever to pur- for whatever purpose he is shining it there. Jesus told us in this passage, take heed how you hear. Pay attention to where the light is shining and respond. Let's go back to my, my poor driving habits. What if those lights had gone on behind me on Friday? What, what do you think I would have done? How would I have responded to those lights? Do you think I would have floored it? No, you guys have seen my car. My car doesn't floor it. Stomp on the gas and it laughs at you and then goes keeps going, but it does laugh a little. I wouldn't have done that. I would have responded to the light and I would have stopped. And then I would have begged and pleaded and cried a little bit. You know, if, they always say if a woman cries in front of a cop, it works to get you out of a ticket. When a guy does it, it's pretty effective too. Now, I've never actually done that, but that's beside the point. My wife gets mad at me all the time. I've, I've been pulled over in the last 10 years probably a dozen times, and I've never gotten a ticket. Thank you. Here's the reason why. Every time I get pulled over by a cop, the cop will go, do you know what the speed limit is? Yes, sir. Whatever, 55. Do you know how fast you were going? Yeah, my cruise was set on 80. I actually did that once. 60, I was doing 80 and a 65. Cop pulled me over. You said speed limit? Yeah, 65. But you know how fast you were going? I said, yeah, my cruise was set on 80. He goes, hold on a second. Walks back to his car. He goes, I'm going to let you go with a warning. <laughs> My wife's like, that's not fair. You should have gotten a ticket. I'm like, why are you mad that I didn't get the ticket? Anyways. But I would have responded to that light. I would have. Jesus said in John 12, 35 through 36. My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can. So the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going, but put your trust in the light while there is still time, then you will become children of light. That is his plea to you. As a non-believer or a believer or whatever, that is his plea to all of us. Walk and trust in the light while there's still time. Time will run out eventually. And whether that's because of your death or his return or whatever it might be, or my death, it will run out. So walk in the light while there's time, and you will become children of light. And the promise here is the darkness will not overtake you. What a glorious promise. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the light of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that you have shown a light in our lives by sending us your Son. We thank you, Father, that you have shown this light in our lives, both to bring us to salvation, Father, and as your followers, to bring us to repentance or to give us direction. Whatever the case, God, help us respond to the light. Help us to walk in that light so the darkness will not overtake us. Help us to walk in that light while there's still time. That in all things, we would shine our lights before the world around us so that they could see you and that our lives would bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.